You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News. And today, instead of covering the whole team playing the sport, we're going to start by talking about one player because everyone's fan favorite is back with the Pacers. Lance Stevenson has returned to the Pacers, played in his first game with the franchise since 2018 last night against the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're going to talk about his return, what it means, how he played, what he can do for the next 10 days, and maybe more depending on how they go. Then talk about, of course, that Cavs game Pacers start off 2022 with a fittingly Four less point loss because that is how the Pacers are this season. And then it's the holidays. Let's do some New Year's resolutions for the Pacers because I love milking holiday content. Joining me to do that, friend of the pod. I think he's been on the most of any person on the planet, Mr. Derek Kramer at iPacers blog, as you know him. Derek, how's it going, man? Not in your classroom this time. Yes, not in my classroom. I go back uh, tomorrow. Doing pretty good. Not ready to go back to school or anything, but you know. <laughs> At least you got to enjoy your la- – La Derek is a big Lance fan. He's, if, you, if you're not on YouTube, he's wearing a Lance T-shirt right now. So at least he got to enjoy his last night of break watching Lance play <laughs> basketball. And, you know, I like to go games first every time because that's what we do. The, the Pacers are a basketball team. But there are a few player exceptions to that rule. When Vic plays against the Pacers for the first time, that'll be one. A lot of franchise legends, when they play against or rejoin the Pacers, that's one. And this is kind of one of those. Lance Stevenson is back with the Pacers. His first – or his – his first game with the franchise since 2018. He's back for the fourth stint with the team now, uh, which third. is just third. It, third. It, the, the six games and then coming back the following season, like on two different contracts, messes with my brain there. But yes, his third stint with the franchise. Everyone was super excited immediately in the rotation. And we'll get to the COVID stuff in the next segment. But so many more guys joined the COVID list. He immediately becomes available and joins the team in Cleveland. First of all, just from a fan's perspective, Derek, how excited were you? When they signed it, because people have been clamoring for this since basically Vic got hurt in 2018. Yeah, I mean, I was this season is just like the season from hell. So any like chance of joy and Lance brings that like for some people, he'll bring some joy. So just that alone from the fans perspective, I think everybody was just like, yeah, well, maybe we'll see something we actually will like will like. I definitely think a lot more people tuned in tonight than than they typically do, and he certainly was a big factor there. And I think that the you know Lance at home is a is a thing, like it is. You know, Road McDermott was a thing. Lance at home is a thing. They played in Cleveland tonight. Uh, they play at, against Brooklyn, a star-studded team at home later this week. That's when I think the real like Lance effect will be on display. Like if he plays really well at home and the crowd's rocking, I think that the Pacers will have to think about what that means for their franchise because. You know, people know how I feel about Lance in his game, and we'll talk about how he played against the Cavs in a second. But there's a thing to this season when you're 14 and 23, none of your bench guards can create anything to a guy that can create a shot a little bit and bring fans and excitement to your team in arena, something they have do not have right now. They're 14 and 23. Like the, the fans are ready to change something. Like at least having a fan favorite there who does exciting things is is a reigniter, right? And even I, as a person who it's just purely like basketball, basketball numbers, which sometimes is boring for people. I like can admit that, that that's good for them this year, right? So I think it's a smart move. And I think against the Nets, you know, they play the Knicks again on the road. And MSG is not his thing. But when they play the Nets at home, I think we'll see the true Lance experience back in action. 
very excited to see that that first home game also happens on my birthday so oh we're gonna go i want to try we'll see it's hard with the the two little ones tickets tripled in price like immediately after he signed i'm sure right yeah and Kyrie might play that game which would be insane for the first time this season what a Man, Lance versus Kyrie. Who would have seen that coming even a month ago as a possibility in, in Baker's life in mid-January? Lance played against the Cavs. Some people were calling for him to start because Karis LeVert joined COVID protocols. Um, so the guard rotation is just a disaster. Kiefer Sykes, Dwayne Washington, Lance Stevenson, and Justin Anderson were the guys who played one and two all night. Like Most of those guys weren't even on the team earlier this season. It's been a, it, That's just where the Pacers are. And no one expects wins with the group right now. They actually played okay, I think, given who they had. Again, we'll talk about the game later. And the, for Lance specifically, tail two halves kind of game. First half, all the stuff that makes Lance really effective was on display, right? Up in guys' faces on defense, hitting tough shots he created for himself. I don't think any of his three buckets were assisted, right? Uh, you know, he, All of them off the dribble, right? That's what they need off the bench, especially with Lamb out in protocols. They need a guy who can create his own shot. McConnell's gone. Kiefer Sykes was starting. They had no one with the bench who could do that. He had three or four shots, only one errant pass, right? In general, a good first half for him. That's, that can be his big problem. He was, he was a plus two in the plus minus department when he came out in the first half. And then in the second half, all the people who don't like watching Lance as much got all the reasons they don't like watching Lance as much. He had a, two more errant passes, missed all three of his shots, fouled Kevin Love twice, I think, in a two-minute stretch, and Carlisle immediately pulled him, brought him back in for the fourth quarter. But Carlisle yanked him out because it was a terrible two-minute stretch where they went from, I think, up eight to down in that time it was very strange but it was fun to see him do the good stuff and also not surprising both because he just joined the team and because of his entire career backlog of performances to see him have a game like this where it was great lance in the first half not so great lance in the second half it's funny like the the shots he took in the first half like i didn't love them they, they but they went in like that the first <laughs> shot he hit especially like the baseline two little push off to get some space and then like fading away like it's not really a shot i want to see him take and then the uh like the other two that he hit those were like those are perfectly fine I don't love mid-range shots but he hit them they were open and like you said they don't have anybody that can really create shots right now <clears throat> second half you're right the it just completely it was like up 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 and then crashed right down uh i, th- I think part of this problem is um like for lance and anybody right now is they're just there's so many new guys getting yeah. together and like, they have no idea what to do on offense sometimes so if lance is running the point and they got two other guys on the court that also don't know any plays like there's not much that can run. So it just kind of felt like Lance just kind of dribbled out of like, what else he's already prone to over dribbling. And then like, <laughs> what else am I going to do? So he just like, there was one, three, two of the threes. I thought like, yeah, you're, you're open. You needed to take those, the third three that he missed. So it was just like, he the, dribbled, the one that got him pulled <laughs> dribbled for like 10 seconds and then yeah. took a three and it was way off that. That was the only shot that I was like, Ooh, but, uh, yeah, his only miss in the first half was a buzzer beater he had to take, basically. Right. Right? Like his first half was like, really good. And that's when like, you feel like if he's at home, like that just magically goes in because, <laughs> because he's yeah. an indie. Because <laughs> he's an indie, yeah. He's the king of the no, 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 yes kind of shots. You know, we're like, ah, oh, it went in. Okay. That, that first one was, yeah, exactly my thought. Yeah. When they went in. Three assists, like that's what they need him to be because they have no bench playmakers right now. I, sorry, sorry. Did I say bench playmakers? They have no playmakers at all right now. It's Ken Sabonis. Hit a cutter or handoff. If not, they're counting on jumpers. And again, we talk about the game. 
When I say their points in the paint number, it's like laughable compared to how this team normally plays because no one can drive to the basket right now except for Lance. So definitely a tale of two halves for him, some really gross fouls. And the second half, some, but a, a great first half performance. And if he can extend that longer, that'd be great. And it's hard to be critical of guys to his credit. And, it, and I'm going to say it's for everybody on the team. In these games, I can't really be critical of anybody because, like you said, no one really knows the plays. They can't do much. They have to keep it simple. I asked every player we got for media after the game, like, how much different is this playing when you're integrating four guys who weren't really playing around the team even a week ago? I guess Dwayne was on the team, but he was in the G League showcase, you know, and even into the 20s of December, right? So they're playing four guys, kind of heavy minutes, who weren't even on the team a week ago. Like, they've got to change their plays a little bit. Their rotation's completely different. They have no chemistry with these guys. Like, I can't be critical of basically anybody in these games. They're just playing, like, pick and roll, spread it out basketball the whole time. So, yeah, if if you can do anything to help create an advantage for this team or play good defense, you're going to have value. And and Lance did that even despite his poor second half. I thought he had a a pretty good first performance, all things considered. Agree. I think the one thing I want to see in these next nine days, if that's all it lasts, is just give me more Lance and Domas pick and rolls because they did have some chemistry that even before go around for both of them. Are Lance and are, are Sabonis and Turner the only two guys from his first stint still on the team, correct? Yeah, which is crazy. That's Did he overlap so with Goga much... for a year? I'm not actually sure about that. I don't know. I don't think I so. I don't think so, no. I think that was off by one year. He's a 2019 guy, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, they did not. So it's just the two bigs, which is fascinating. So, yeah, he, you mentioned the nine more days, and I think people will ask this, so I'll just bring it up here. He's on the team for 10 days. I think that's regardless of when everybody comes back anyway. Like, it's just a 10-day deal. Boom. So they might have him even with the rest of their team. And that kind of will be telling at the end of this because the important part of this is they can break him back. It's legal. They just have to cut someone to do it. Well, guess what's in 10 days is the uh, cut down deadline date for guaranteed contracts this season. So if you see someone, and by someone I mean one of Keelan Martin, Kiefer Sykes, or O'Shea Brissett get waived by the 7th, that's a sign that they might want a roster spot in general. Maybe Lance is a candidate for that. And it's not impossible that they just cut someone with guaranteed money later, but yeah, he could be brought back, but it would require them after this COVID stuff to actually cut a rostered player. They they can rehardship him, but that would, again, require that someone's in protocols. And given the way things are going, that's not out of the realm of possibility either. But it'll just depend on how things go. So it's impossible to say right now if they're even allowed to bring him back. But I think we'll have more details in about five days, given how they're thinking. And if Brogdon's not back or he's still unhealthy, like they have no point guards, it's going to be hard to cut Sykes. I have a whole podcast coming tomorrow about roster cuts but he might be back in some capacity if he plays well we don't even know how he's going to play there's too many questions to know that right now so if you're wondering it is possible but we can't even possibly start to know right now i don't know if you are derek i just wanted to explain good job (laughs) (laughs) we'll see uh and also here i have to give flowers to justin anderson because he was in the same press release as lance and i have to say he was signed to the team he played well for the madness this year played a 10-day stint with the Cavs, ironically before joining the pacers and played fine he played seven minutes didn't look totally outclassed played good defense got three rebounds in seven minutes that's what they kind of need from these hardship guys they have no one available to play right now so you can play eight minutes of good defense and get three rebounds you're gonna play every game he carlisle's a fan of him back from the dallas days and i don't want to just completely blow past him because a franchise legend got signed but lance deserves to be a lot of talking and he will be the story of several games coming forward, especially that first game in Banker's Life on Wednesday. Gainbridge. Gainbridge. Wow. <laughs> I'm, gotta, I'm a Miles Turner on Media Day, though, and that was <laughs> embarrassing. Hey, guys, let's take one short little break to talk about the good folks over at Bill Bar because it's the new year, which means New Year's resolutions are here. If yours is about getting fitter, eating healthier, 
Make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. They're the protein bars that taste like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. They make it easy to stick to your resolution. They taste really good. You'll want to eat it because unlike other protein bars that taste chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill, Built Bars are delicious. They're healthy, and they don't get boring at all. You got to keep trying them. You got to keep eating them. They're 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, only 4 grams of net carbs. They have 17 grams of protein, way healthier than a candy bar, but they taste just as good. Tons of Locked On Pacers listeners have tried them and told me they absolutely love them. And then they go back and buy more. So you got to try them. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, at least eat something that tastes good and is healthy in this new year. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. That promo code, again, is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Let's pivot and talk about the actual basketball game we just saw, which is tough to analyze. First game of 2022, but like I said, it's hard to be critical of a lot of players in this game because of, they have a lot of new guys. And, you know, Carlisle said they brought the young guys. I think he said eight or nine guys. And Goga was included in that group, by the way, because he didn't, he entered protocols today. But anyway, yesterday, Saturday, for you listening two days ago, a lot of the young Pacers and the new Pacers went to Quicken Loans Arena or Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Now, man, that's two arena mishaps in a row. <laughs> to like walk through the sets of the team and how the Pacers play and stuff, right? And so they don't know this stuff, right? They have to learn the plays, and that's why they have to keep it simple so much. And part of keeping it simple is let's play through our best player. Savonis had the ball a lot in this game, and he was the reason the Pacers were in it. He was awesome. He had 32, 13, and 7. He was a plus 9 in a four-point loss, the 12-minute – or excuse me – the uh, less than nine minutes without him are where the Pacers completely threw away this game. And Turner himself was a plus one, by the way. It's just a very strange plus minus sort of game for the Pacers. But the solo Turner minutes not go super well tonight. Mobley was awesome for the Cavs. Jared Allen was awesome for the Cavs. But Sabonis was the reason the Pacers were in this because even though they were keeping it simple, they were playing through him, which when they're playing well seems to be something they do very often. Agreed. I think he had that like 11-0 personal run all by himself, and it was right Agreed. before – yeah, he had a couple threes and like got fouled a couple times, I think. And then, and then like right after that, I think he came out. And then that's when the, uh, this, the tidal wave just kind of came crashing in. I think, I think I heard on the broadcast it was like 30 to 10 after that. 15 0 in the last three minutes of the third quarter. Yeah. That was the game. I mean, the Pacers, I would say, outplayed the Cavs the entire rest of the game besides that 15 0 run. And, like that's the story of the Pacers for seasons and seasons now is they just have these terrible runs and one random portion of the game and then play well the rest of the game. But that one stretch is so bad. They cut it to three late. Like they had a, kind of a shot at it because the Cavs decided to miss every free throw under the sun in the last two minutes. But they weren't really in it. They, they, that Cavs run carried them through the rest of the game. So bonus kept a minute, though. He was really good. And, you know, that that's kind of they had to play like that because of the simple way they were playing because we learned right before the game, Levert went into protocols. But Tadze went into protocols. And by the way, Goga going into protocols, let's pretend Miles Turner was in foul trouble. Who the hell is the center? Who's coming in as the third center now? Terry Taylor? He's 6'5". Like they they have no – ironically, for everyone who's been screaming that the Pacers are too big for too long, they were a foul trouble away from playing a guard at center against the Cavs today. And TJ Warren went into protocols. That doesn't really change anything. It does actually – that kind of helps them. It gives them a hardship player they can find, assuming he'll be healthy. So – We'll see where that shakes out. Lamb could come back. I think today is his fifth day. Listening for you, it's the sixth day. So he might be able, if he's asymptomatic, to return on Monday. I don't, I can't guess player symptoms. I don't know these timelines exactly. But given the newest rules of the NBA, I believe Monday is the earliest day he can return. Uh, but you know, that changes the way they were able to play. They had to go through Sabonis. And they started Kiefer Sykes and Dwayne Washington in the backcourt. And Dwayne Washington, 
that dude loves to shoot. You know, they, they, they had to play through Sabonis, but Dwayne Washington, 17 shots, hit eight of them. I thought he shot a little too much. He's very tunnel vision-y, but he was making them, so who cares, right? And so good for him to get this opportunity and play well, but you know, the, their guard play is so strange when your rotation is Stevenson, Washington, Sykes, and I, I don't even know who else was technically in at the two, Justin Holiday a few times. That kind of limits what they can do on the perimeter, and I've been talking for too long. I'm sorry, but they finished with 26 points in the paint. That's very unpacers-like and kind of tells the story of who they had available and what kind of struggles they had. Yeah, the I think I think the Cavs had like 58 or something. Like it was a exactly huge, right. huge thing. Like the it was such a weird game because like the Pacers stayed in it with hitting threes, which they haven't done all year, and the Cavs couldn't hit a three at all. It was just like one team was scoring all in the paint, and one team was just kind of trying to keep up with threes. Um, the center thing, Brissett would be the guy, right? Well, I guess it oh. might have been Taylor, but Brissett did it last year in that that one game against uh, the Thunder. Yeah, right? him and Jakar Sampson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, either him or Taylor. That's the emergency center again, I guess. Um, I don't even remember what else you hit on. <laughs> well, there's not a lot to hit on. I mean, with the way this game is, because like what the takeaways you can have kind of don't matter. Like half the guys playing aren't going to be on the team yeah. in 10 days. And the style they're changing their style based on those guys because they have to. But in 10 days, they'll have to change it back to what they had. So they have their front court. Amazingly, I messaged Derek this before the game. Not even COVID can break up to bonus, apparently. They have the front court advantages, but they don't have anyone else. Their entire bench, basically, besides O'Shea, is, is new guys. Craig didn't do anything for them in this game. So they didn't have a lot of answers. Like It's actually impressive they were able to stay in it for so long thanks to jump shooting, and they hit a bunch of those threes. And you know, Dwayne was hitting the threes. Kiefer Sykes hit two threes. Sabonis hit three threes. Justin Holiday like you tweeted a couple weeks ago, is on the positive end of his streaky run right now, and they haven't taken advantage with any wins. He hit six threes on his own. That's a big reason they stayed in this game as well. But it's just it's jarring to see them play with these sort of lineups and just not be able to get into the paint at all. Like That's something Rick Carlisle loves is these paint touches. Nate Bjorkman loved them too, but Carlisle's offense is not quite as random. <laughs> I don't know what the perfect word to describe the difference is, but – they, they can't get anyone really in there. They're counting on Sabonis to do a lot of it. Like Washington can – Dwayne Washington's been very impressive in his two starts, I think. You know, he's really quick with the ball, and he can kind of get into the paint, but he's always shooting. Uh, and Kiefer can sometimes get in the paint, but he's too short to have a huge advantage creating there. So they, they just don't have the roster right now to, to make their usual play style an advantage, and I think that was really on display in this game. And when you're down your usual play style and a bunch of players, you got to take advantage of your possessions, and then instead they – lost the offensive rebound battle, had more turnovers than the Cavs. I mean, I, I can't kill them for losing a game with the roster that they had. It's just that there were a lot of other tangible things I feel like they could have done that were kind of low-hanging fruit to win. So it's a weird game. One they feel like they could have won. They lose by four again. They're now 1-11 and in games by decided by four or less, which is just gross. So it was a, both a very Pacers game and very not a Pacers game at the same time. Yeah, the 1-11, and it's just it's crazy. Like some of these games you would think are going to go their way. Um, it's just so, it's so crazy. Um, Washington, I think like he might be the one takeaway where maybe he can work his way somehow and being a rotation guy, just cause he feels like a guy like he can take shots with a defender pretty close onto him. And they yeah. don't have, they don't have much of that. Like even Brogdon, like he, he needs space to get his shots off. Um, <clears throat> I've been also impressed with him these last couple games. He didn't hit much that first one, but um, 
yeah, definitely tunnel vision. The guy kind of reminds me of, we're talking about former Pacers legends. Uh, he's a <laughs> bit, of, bit of CJ miles, maybe in him. And the fact that like, he can kind of get hot quick and light up some points quickly. I mean, he's not a guy that's going to like set anybody else up, but if you give him the ball with an opening, he's going to take a shot. Um, just that reminds me of him. I really like, I've enjoyed him these last couple games. Sykes, uh, the first two games, like, I don't know. I was like, I, mean, I don't know if he's an NBA player. Like it was cool that he got there. Like that was great for him. Cool story. Like guy that gets there when he's almost 28 years old um, to get his first opportunity today. It's like the first half. He was kind of like Lance, um, like the first half, like he felt like he was, Oh, he's trying to, he's feeling comfortable. He's starting to figure it out. And then like you talked about, Carlisle pulled Lance out in the third quarter and Sykes came in and he was just as bad. <laughs> he had so many, like he was a big part of Kevin Love. Like he fouled Love on a three and then he ended up being in front of Love as he hit the three at the buzzer. He had that poor turnover that gave Love the opportunity right before that. Um, so like, yeah, it's a, uh, like if, if we're talking about if Lance is going to stay like, yeah, they don't have any point guards, but Sykes is the only one that's possibly going to get waived. Like they're not going to wave Keelan Martin. They're not going to wave O'Shea Brissett. I agree. Sykes is the one guy that maybe that could happen. Yeah. Sykes had 10, three and five tonight, which if you just knew that you'd think he, he played okay, but it took him 10 shots to do it. He had three turnovers and four fouls. Like it, it, just cleaning up a, one of those three areas, percentage turnovers, fouls, his game looks way better. And, yeah, maybe that's what Lance's competition is these next 10 days, right? Like Dwayne, if Dwayne is awesome in this next 10-day stretch, they could cut Sykes and then just convert Dwayne to a standard deal, right? And then they have an open two-way. That's not crazy to me if he keeps having eight for 17 nights where he's an effective offensive player. So we'll have to see how that guard stuff manifests out. And again, I'll talk about this in more detail tomorrow. Yeah, Sykes is interesting. He's definitely better than Wanamaker. They made the right decision for this two-week stretch in that regard, but definitely uh, an up-and-down kind of guy. And with a height like his – you know, there's there's a lot of limitations that are just natural anyway. So we'll see if he's able to carve out a role here. Strange game. No one expected, or at least I say no one. I didn't expect the Pacers <laughs> to win given who was out for them. And I don't think anyone expects them to win many games That given that they're 14 and 23 right now and like fifth worst record in the league, sixth worst record in the league. But they have the talent to win more often than they do. And, you know, we brought up the close games earlier. If they were six and six, in, in games decided by four points or less. Let's say you ascribe to the theory that the clutch play is sort of random. And I don't. I, I kind of do, but I kind of don't. If they're six and six in games decided by four or less, they're currently 20 and 17. Like that is the margin for error for this team being where they are and being, what, what would that be? Sixth in the East right now? Like that, the mar, the, the difference between them and being like where they think they should be is not very big. And yet that doesn't matter. They're 14 and 23 and playing a rotation full of guys that weren't on the team a week yeah. ago. And that record, 14 and 23, puts them a half game ahead of the fourth worst record in the league. That's wow. the difference. Like, that's wow. how low they are in the standings right now. The Pelicans and the Thunder are only a half game below them in the standings. You know, I keep thinking, like, wow, their schedule is really tough in this stretch and this stretch and this stretch. But to your point, like, they're like, besides like the Magic and the Pistons, every team in the NBA is kind of good. Like, when Shea plays, even the Thunders are like a 40 to 45 win percentage team. Like no one in the NBA is is bad right now outside of those two teams. And they even lost to Detroit once, which is really deflating. If they beat Detroit, like you could even say that they beat everyone they should beat and the NBA is just good right now. So being fourth to last it, is kind of reflective of their season. How can they turn it around? 
New Year's resolutions, baby. I love to milk holiday content when I can. Derek came up with some. I came up with some. Let's do our resolutions. All right. You going first? You know what? You have more than me, so I'm making you go first. All right. I don't know how good these are, but. New Year's resolution number one for the Indiana Pacers. Who's giving these out? I made Santa give out the Christmas gifts. Who's giving out the resolutions? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Okay. There's not a mythical being. For New Year's. Okay. Okay. Fans. Fans are giving out the resolution. (laughs) This feels so just like reductive, but uh, make more threes. Oh, yes. That is reductive, but that is a good one. They're 28th in the league in three-point percentage. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into that. They don't have anybody that can create open looks for people, which would help. Um, But that feels like the biggest issue. They just can't make shots, which is pretty important in basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Making shots is good. I I love a good reductive start, you know, and it's funny because – like I view Brogdon as a good ish shooter and Miles is a good shooter for his position and Lavert's been a better shooter in the past and Duarte's a kind of good shooter and Holiday's a good shooter in in theory but without the creator to make their shots easy or without a system that gets them open looks like just hasn't mattered and they end up, and, and Carlisle trusts anyone to shoot which I kind of like in principle and that works if you have the roster for it but they don't right and I've talked about this a lot on the show like they have a lot of possessions that are. 15 seconds work for a TJ McConnell or Tory Craig or Sabonis three. And like it's open, which is cool, but it's open for a reason. And that's not necessarily a shot you want. So maybe getting a shooter or just better shooting in general would be huge for them. And holiday turning a corner. Like if this last, it's only been two games that if this stretch can be sustained, even for two weeks would be huge for the team and maybe his trade value. If he becomes a vet that's available. So yeah, they need shooting pretty bad. Yeah. That's just, I don't know, like especially when you got guys like Holiday that you usually count on, like like they've had him for a couple of years. It's been thirty eight, forty percent. He's probably raised that percentage in these last two games, but I know he's been below that and lower. Like I think he's below forty, or he was on his overall field goal percentage. It's just it's been a struggle for everybody to hit shots. I said before free agency that. McConnell was more important for them to bring back, but McDermott was better. And I got a lot of flag for that. And I would like people to rethink their thoughts about that, given how this team is shooting from three right now. <laughs> they I missed mean, McDermott a lot. They miss, yes, they missed that guy who's a knockdown shooter 100%. <laughs> I agree. I was I was fine. I was on the, that other side. I was fine with him being the one that was gone. And it, well, at the yeah, price, it's kind of okay. As, you know, like they didn't need to spend $13 million on a bench wing, but now they really need shooting, and maybe that's something they prioritize on the trade market. I only leaked you one of my resolutions, so I'll just do that one first. And we've complained about this to each other via DMs many times. The Pacers New Year's resolution, get better at post-entry passes. How is this such a hard thing for an NBA team? I'll never know. Darren Collison used to be great at it. Uh, no, he's not. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Every that time was, there was a switch, he Aaron Collison was the pass. king of the, the pick and pop pass, but never threw it yes. in the post a single time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you understood the sarcasm there. Yeah, they haven't had – I mean, maybe this 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 is not sarcasm. I think their best post-entry passer the last couple of years has been Miles Turner. Like no, no one on this team can just throw it in the post when Sabonis has a mismatch. It always takes them a second. They have to reset it on the wing, and then the other team knows it's coming because you just reset on the wing. Like – it's crazy how bad guys are at it. Lance is pretty good at it. That could be a skill that, that makes him stand out a little bit, <laughs> that he is capable of throwing an accurate pass into the post. 
it's very frustrating for a team that has two bigs. Turner's refined his postgame a little bit. It still isn't good, but it's refined. Sabonis does have a good postgame and is a good passer from down low. Get the ball inside a little more. It shouldn't be as hard as it is for this team, and I know the other team knows it's coming, but other teams can do it. They just need to get better timing, I think, is a big element to it, and more accuracy and, and urgency on their passes to low-post players. Yeah, they, well, you saw the one where they were trying to make the their last resort run at the end, and Washington just kind of threw it straight out of bounds Yeah, <laughs> over the front. Nobody can – I don't know the last time I saw a successful pass from the wing to a big that was – being fronted um like sometimes like i've seen turner because he's the one guy who can make the post entry pass it feels like like he'll come and cut to the middle and then make that easier pass inside but yeah it's been a disaster for so long another reason sykes had that great one we gotta mention that one his first game yeah the first game he made that little wrap around around the defender he was like, oh, he's he's already the best post-entry passer the Pacers have. Can I tell you two guys who are decent at it and one that is on the team right now? McConnell's okay, okay at it, and they miss yeah. him a lot for that. You know who was okay at it despite being completely hated by fans? Tyreek Evans could throw a decent post-entry pass. When he decided to actually pass, Tyreek Evans could throw a decent post-entry pass. His best passes, though, were his missed layups. Let's be honest. <laughs> I tried to track that for an article one time, and it became way too hard. But yeah, it's it's really embarrassing how bad their post entries have been. We've gone way too long on a very simple thing. <laughs> they need to improve in 2022. What's your next one? Okay, my next one. Uh, all right, I want to. This one feels reductive too. But just <laughs> another was- issue. We didn't touch it on today's game, but like they foul, so it feels like they foul all the time. Oh, like, so much. Defend- Defend without fouling. I think they had 24 fouls today. The Cavs had like 10. Um, but I'll just skip right over that one, and we'll move to a more Yeah, the, the Cavs in a four-point win shoot 28 free throws. Pacers shoot 14. Plus nine from the free throw line seems important in a close game. And that, that's not nothing. I get that it's reductive because fouls equals bad. But, I mean, they're worse at fouling than most teams in the league. They're 23rd in the league in fouls per game. Fouls are bad. That's yes. pretty simple. Um, I'll go an individual one um, for Miles. Uh, worry less about getting the block and more about forcing a miss. I like that. I, like I think that. he's getting a little too block happy. Jumpy. Usually it works. Usually, yeah, jumpy is for sure. Um, I I want to see him like if he could master the Roy Hibbert verticality, like and do that when somebody's coming at him. At least sometimes I think he actually did it today. Like he went up with two hands and ended up getting a block anyway. But his shots, um, defending shots within six feet, he's at 53.8%, which is still really, really good. It's 14th in the league. Um, But last year, he was at 50.5%. So about 3% difference. He was second in the league. And he was also defending a lot more shots per game, which part of that was just Bjorkman was like, everybody force everybody right to miles. And he's our only defense. That's it. Um, But then the problem was they did that even when he wasn't in the game. Uh, but 9.1, he had defended 9.1 attempts per game last year compared to only 6.7 per game at the rim this year. I thought like, especially like the previous game, he got into foul trouble cause he just, it was just always, he was going straight for the block and then ended up getting the fouls. I think like if he just mastered that Roy thing and at least used it occasionally, cause teams are starting to, I feel like more they're like, they're, baiting him into going for those blocks more yes especially recently and i think it just like it's 
I think early in the year he did a better job of kind of picking his spots of when to go for the block, when he was able to get it, and when he should just kind of box out his guy and try to get the rebound. But lately it's just felt like every he's going for everything, whether he can get it or not, and it's it hasn't really worked out lately. This might be a totally made-up thing, and I don't have a date that this started to happen, but at some point in mid-November I noticed that teams, it felt like, especially in pick-and-rolls when two guys are coming at miles, the guy shooting would just sky his layup, right? Like maybe he makes it, but then it gets over Turner, and then all of a sudden the other guy, the roll man or or the, the guy who passed, has an uncontested rebound to get it because Miles jumped in the air. You can't box anyone out, right? And it felt like teams were getting a lot of easy second-chance points from that, and that's a problem he had a couple years ago as well. So like lowering the number of shots he's contesting may not necessarily be bad because those are shots at the rim, but the percentage is higher for a reason. It feels like teams have figured out, and I agree with you that he's way more jumpy this year that they can kind of create an advantage in those ways. And they have funneled guys away from a little more, but yes, he definitely needs to be less jumpy. And the, and the other solution is of course, can someone on the perimeter, please keep someone in front of them. So he doesn't have to do it like 70 times a game, but that, that problem has never gone away for this team and years and years and years. It's why they continue to give up insanely high three point percentages. And we can go on forever about that. And that has to do with Turner as well. Like it's so good. He's so good at defending the rim that the kickouts happen more often. So I agree with that 100%. I'll do my player one to do the player one. Mine's for Chris Duarte. What do you, what do you think it is? Oh, I don't know. Um, it's one word. Early on in the year, just, I would have said. Just one word. <laughs> Chris Duarte. One, early on in the year, I would have said do less. But I think Yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> well, Chris Duarte, just just relax. You know, like that. That I don't even mean that as a criticism necessarily. You know, he his fearlessness is part of what makes him so good. Pull-up shooting is awesome. He's a he's a good shot creator for himself already. The most promising player on the team. A lot of positives about Chris Duarte. There's just sometimes I just think the the aggression and the fearlessness is a negative for him and the team when he wants so bad to just shove it in someone's face or hit the shot. And like he's got the Oladipo syndrome. Lavert's got it a little bit too, where there are times he catches the ball and I'm in section 107. 660 to that's not even close to right like 200 feet from the guy and i'm like okay he's shooting like he just caught it and he's shooting and i know it the way he sizes up his guy the way he starts to dribble whatever i know he's shooting and if i know it the guy who has the scouting report on him who's watched a bunch of clubs of him over the last three days definitely knows it right and lavert's got this problem too so i guess i should say it for lavert as well but lavert at least now that he's playing point guard is passing lamar duarte just needs to like chill out a little bit and focus on some of the simpler plays that would make him even if he goes from like a 13 to 12 points a game score, I don't even know what his scoring average is now. But if he goes from like 13 to 12, but just that one point becomes three simple passes a game, I think he's like way better. So my my New Year's resolution for Duarte is just, just kind of relax a little bit. Yeah, I can totally get that. I think especially early on in the year, like we had – I remember you messaged me a couple times like – it seems like Duarte's doing a lot. <laughs> like, like especially when uh, Levert hadn't been back yet. And like some of it was just he had to. But yeah, I think especially you can see every time he gets a matchup where it's like a rookie or he he wants to prove like I'm better than you. We're in the same draft class. Or he wants to prove himself. Like he hit that shot. Like some of it's awesome because he'll hit like he hit the shot against LeBron. No, it wasn't LeBron because that was recently. Avery recent. Bradley was his defender in that one, but. He did hit some big shots on LeBron. Uh, there's there's a couple like star uh, Giannis is the is the guy I'm thinking of because he hit, he hit, like sized up Giannis one on one and hit that shot, uh, which is like it was awesome and I love it. But yeah, I can definitely see like sometimes he just needs to kind of ease up, make the simple pass, 
and keep it moving. On the other hand, though, like I also like this year just sucks. And <laughs> just like, shoot a million times. Maybe they just need to see what he can do. That's fair. That's totally fair. <laughs> like, just go and do do your thing, and maybe we can give you more responsibility. And that's they true. Want, I they will want I, him to do that next year if he can figure it I out. I say that under the guise of them winning more, but you know, a lot of fans are already like, "No, no, don't win more." So <laughs> perhaps he should just keep chucking. It's kind of funny in retrospect because his most memorable game was the their first win against the Heat. He hit a huge shot and was great in overtime. He was six for 21 in that game. Like if they end up losing in regulation, we look back at like, that's an awful game. Like he sucked, but he hit a huge shot. And you know, that's just who he is. Like you're a rookie playing your third game on a playoff aspirations team. Why are you taking 21 shots? That's kind of what I was messaging you. Like eventually I feel like his teammates are not going to like this very much. He never shied away and they still like him and let him shoot all the time. He's a great player for his age or for his experience level, I guess his age too. Um, but I just think he needs to relax. All right, we'll do one more each. Give me one more 2022 Pacers New Year's resolution. Okay. Um, let's see. As reductive as you like. <laughs> <laughs> I got two more, but I'll I'll just I'll just say them both because neither of them are like amazing or anything. So, okay, Karis, you already touched on him. Uh, like embrace that point, Karis, more. Yes. Like I think that the team they don't have a shot if he's not passing the ball. Uh, I agree. Which, like, and he just he looks better when he's when he's moving it more, and even lately, like he still gets the like tunnel visioniness where he like he's another guy you can tell. You mentioned the Oladipo syndrome, like he's going to shoot the ball here, like <laughs> that's what this possession is going to end unless he's like doubled, and then he's still going to look for a way, and then he's going to like just squirt it out when the guy receiving it is now out of rhythm, um, and he's not wanting to shoot the ball anymore because he's not in rhythm like he would have been if he got the ball three seconds ago. Um, so that's one with Karras. Uh, with Domas, which is funny because he went three of four from three <laughs> today, but live in the paint, like just live in there. <laughs> which part of that is get him the ball in the paint. We talked about the post-entry passes. Um, and with with Miles too, like the, the duck-ins, that like no the little when they pin their defenders like right under the rim then nobody can make that pass <laughs> yeah another, one of those post entries like they don't even attempt that one like that that happens like five I don't know if we've seen that all season like once they maybe they maybe pass that like once out of like five tries from the bigs doing it so we haven't talked about uh that just made me think of like Mobley and Allen very very fun to watch tonight those two bigs work together. Like the the Pacers went zone that one possession and was just like instantly one went high one went low they went away from one of the big like Sabonis was in one corner so they had Mobley on the other and it was like Tory Craig or some smaller guy and just instantly Allen got it on the line threw it to Mobley like it was just like they knew exactly what to do so quickly it was it was fun to see those two bigs play together. The Cavs somehow play with two bigs all the time and still play five out the whole game. And it works really well for them. They've got it down. Jared Allen is a masterful screen and roll player. Uh, yeah, I agree with both of those. Levert, I asked him this at practice in like November. I was like, your assists are like half as much as last year. What, you know, where do you feel like your passing is kind of tailed off? And to his credit, he's right about this. Like some of its role, you know, he played a lot last year without Brogdon and a bunch of other guys. So I get that. But also he was just looking to pass less and he has embraced the point role because he had to recently and he looks way better, way, 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 way better. And with Sabonis, I understand every fan and every 
person within the organization being like, yo, if you could shoot threes, you'd be like a top 25 player in the NBA, but you can't. Okay. He just can't like uh, maybe next year, come back and try again, but he just can't, right? He's a, he's a 30% shooter. That's just who he is from deep. You can take one or two a game if you're at that level, but he takes more than that almost every game. And it's a 98, three or four. Great. That's awesome. More often than not, that does not happen. Get him the ball in his advantage spots more often. That's how I agree with both of those. I have a last one. We kind of mentioned it with Turner a little earlier. Give me a defensive identity for this basketball team. That's very lazy. I don't even know what that means. Sometimes people say an identity, but it feels like they just, they, not as much as Bjorken, who's like, okay, zone this possession, and then I don't even know what the hell this is, and then man, and just, that, that was crazy. Like that, obviously, we all knew that was bad while it was happening. This year, they have a lot more base defense, and they still suck at defense for some reason. And that is what's baffling to me because two years ago, I talk about this all the time, and maybe this is lazy, but they had almost the exact same team. Almost. Replace McDermott with Torrey Craig and Oladipo with Levert, and it is the exact same team. And they're way worse at defense. Way worse. It makes no sense to me. Something defensively is off with, with, with the way they're defending, and I think they just need to figure out what that is. Maybe they're switching too much. McMillan did not switch as much, and he got killed for it, but they were sixth in defense the last year he was the coach here. Maybe they switch a little too much. Maybe Miles needs to be like a little more aggressive or something. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something off with their defensive identity where their point of attack defense is completely crap. They give up big shooting nights to random people all the time. Stars just completely mow them down every time they play. These big forwards have been a problem for them for years and years and years. I think they need some sort of defensive identity. That's very lazy because I don't have an actual, like, here's what they should do sort of analysis to give you. But as a resolution for the Pacers, figure that out because that's never been a problem for them. Even last year with Bjorken, when it was all random and chaotic, they finished 14th. Like, that's not bad. It's not good, but it's not bad. This year, they're in the 20s. They they have to get better on defense, I think, given the roster that they have. I think the, the solution is to go back in time and – somehow convinced Dan Burke to stay. (laughs) And then I think Bjorker might have worked. (laughs) If they just didn't didn't do what he wanted to do on defense and just did the Dan Burke thing. (laughs) It would have been interesting. I don't want to get too retrospective because we're not going to talk about this, but a couple coaches from the old regime who knew how to communicate with the guys already with Bjorkren, how that would have looked instead of just all new people, all new communication style, all new basketball. It was like too much new. Almost. Yeah. Well, the one guy who stayed ended up leaving. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, Baino was like, nope, not, not staying with you. <laughs> Mid-season departure. Yeah, so that, that you know, that is lazy for me. I, I'll even admit that. But it's so jarring to see a roster that should be good on defense. They were 20th in defense going into this game tonight. I don't know where – oh, no, that's after this game. They're now 20th in defense. Bottom 10. The Pacers should not be a bottom 10 defensive team with one of the best 10 defenders in the NBA on their squad. So, it it's or the, sorry bottom 11 whatever right. it's jarring to see them like this given the team they have and i think they need to capture some some life on that end of the floor i got nothing else for this unless you do i got one random uh interesting stat okay i love those just found it on on miles when i was looking for resolutions so he's been shooting like crazy on two two uh on twos so he's at 67.8 percent on twos this was before tonight 84 yeah. percent within three feet of the basket very nice what you That's don't expect because you're always like, dunk it. Like, what are you doing? Dunk it. But he had another one of those against he has the one of those today, but he's shooting 84% at the rim. I was, I was blown away by that. Just dunk. That is perhaps Miles has had two kind of stinker games in a row, and those two misses are perhaps so reflective of, of everything about him, right? When he's confident, easy dunk for him. He'll finish with 16, 10, and four. 
When he's not, he'll shoot four of 11 and, and not help you anyway, except for defense. We won't wait too long, Derek. I apologize for taking up all your time, especially because you have work tomorrow and kids. So I apologize. But where can people follow you and all your stuff? At iPacers blog. Um, that's where all my stuff is. Just just go to the Twitter. I did write something for the first time in like two years. If you're uh, wanting to read about all the problems that the Pacers have, I, I wrote something. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you covered all of them, I'll, I'll be impressed. That, that'd be a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know me, I'm Tony East at T East NBA. This show is at Lockdown Pacers. Tomorrow, we're talking cut down deadline because it is sneakily in seven days. Pacers have to make decisions on a lot of guys, and these 10 day guys coming in only complicates that. So, you'll want to listen to all that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you had a great New Year's, and we will see you tomorrow.